So make your plan because your plan maximizes your chance of success. And without it, you're hoping for the best. And hoping for the best is inadvertently setting yourself up with a brilliant plan to fail. Welcome to the Veterinary Leadership Success Podcast, the show for veterinary practice owners and managers who are eager to become the leaders their teams deserve. I'm your host, veterinarian and leadership expert, Dr. Dave Nichol, and each week I'll be diving into important topics from the world of veterinary team leadership. In these short, sharp and punchy episodes, I'll share my insights, experiences and practical tips to help you navigate the challenges of leadership in the veterinary profession. Whether it's head in the clouds vision casting or in the trenches leading for performance, we will cover it all. As an owner myself, I understand the unique dynamics and demands of running a successful veterinary practice. And I'm passionate about empowering you to create a workplace where people and pets can thrive. So if you're ready for your weekly leadership fix, let's dive in to this week's show. So back with part two of the episode, Lessons from a Season as a Competitive Triathlete. We're going to bring you the next seven things I learned that are applicable to your life as a veterinary leader. Let's go. Okay, so the first thing in part two of this episode is keep going. This was such an important lesson, keep going. I really learned this lesson twice this season. The first time was at Eastbourne where you know it was a hot as heck day, hot as Hades, as they would say. It was something like 26 degrees Celsius. Now, that's not hot if you live you know, like in Florida or if you live in Arizona, um, but it's pretty bloody hot if you're a Scottish guy living in the south of England, and I'm built for rain and cold weather. So we're in baking hot sunshine. 26C is probably, I don't know, somebody do the conversion on that, but probably 80 something like that, Fahrenheit, plenty to be getting on with and plenty to be spending over two and a half hours doing endurance athletics at an Olympic standard pace or Olympic distance pace. And I got to the run and my legs just felt like jelly. And honestly, I was about two and a half, three kilometers into the run and I saw the first person walking and I thought, ooh, that's interesting. I could do that. And that thought just came in my head. And if I'd have done that, my race would have been over. And I just had to keep, you had to really go inside myself because I was suffering. You know, I've seen the photos from the races and I, I look like I felt in that moment. I was suffering. All I could do was literally put my head down and count the poles in the fence next to me. And each pole I made it was a little victory. One more pole, one more pole, keep going. And so that happens sometimes in races. But it happens in a sort of more macro environment as well that, you know, you're going to work towards a goal and you're going to have moments where you think you're progressing well and you have moments where you feel like you've plateaued or you're having a setback. It might be in practice, you've been building a team well and somebody important leaves and you feel like, damn it, that was just starting to come together. And you, you know, you feel a bit disheartened by that. Keep going. You know, in moments like that, you got to have a, a way to zoom in on something positive. And it might be a small accomplishment, but there will be something that you can hold on to that help you to keep going. Forward momentum is everything. And eventually, you will get to the end of that bit of the race. The finish line will come. And that finish line might just be the end of a day. It might be Friday 
afternoon or evening when you get done with your shift for the day and it's one o'clock it might be the end of the you know the evening when you can go back and see your family but keep going whatever's happening just get through another day because you will have learned you'll have taken experience from it you'll be fitter for it and you'll be able to come back and be a better competitor because of that the next thing is make a plan okay so just keeping going, it's all very well to say that, but if you don't have a plan and you don't know where you're going to, then there might not be a finish line. You know, that's getting back to this eat, sleep, vet med, repeat mission that most clinics are on. We don't know why we're doing stuff other than to help the animals. We don't know what done looks like because it's like never or the end of the financial year or when I retire or when I break or burn out or bounce out of veterinary medicine. Having a plan makes all the difference, partly because you've got an objective, but partly because a plan is not just about what you want to accomplish, it's how you're going to accomplish it. So it's a roadmap. And in triathlon this season, I had a plan for my training. I had plans for the different blocks of training. I had plans for the races. You're doing a race, you can actually go on the race website, you can download the terrain data for the cycle, for the run, for where you're going to be swimming. Is it going to be a lake swim or a sea swim? What's the weather going to be like that day? What are the different conditions you might encounter? If it's a bike run, is it open roads? Is it closed roads? Is it very hilly? Is there any terrain you need to know about? What are the conditions going to be on the day? What's the weather doing? And on the run, same sort of questions. Is it a a run on roads or is it a, a trail run? And the conditions you're going to run in can vary massively. And although they can vary massively, actually, when you boil it down to the different permutations, like, is it going to be a good weather day or a bad weather day? You know, you're competing at a certain time of year, so you know the the sort of likely top and bottom end of the extremes of weather you're going to face. And if you've got the map of the hills, then you can make a plan. And that plan can be specifics of training to get you in the best shape for that race possible. And that's the level of detail that I've taken into this season for the first time ever competing in triathlon. And it's made a huge difference. Eastbourne, for example, very, very hilly bike track suited me to the ground. Going to be a really hot day and wasn't really planning. Didn't realize it was going to be that hot a day. So didn't take on enough fluids and my legs just fell apart for the run. So taking the lessons from that into the next race, adapted, changed my fueling strategy And guess what? Showed up to the next race and it was freezing. Like literally, I didn't have the right equipment because it was absolutely freezing. And so after that race, the bike actually got cancelled in the second race because the weather was so bad and there were accidents on the course the day before. So they cancelled the bike leg. So it became a swim run. And just as well, because I did not have the right gear to be out there racing under those weather conditions. So having learned that, I then went and bought a whole bunch of stuff that would help me and allow me to compete in any weather conditions. And so my planning actually improved with that sort of experience gained. So that by the final race of the season, I really felt very capable of thinking my way through a race, thinking through the different conditions and the equipment I took. I got rid of a whole bunch of stuff that was you know, not useful to me under any condition that, that I'd just taken in a very novice and experienced way. And I brought in a whole bunch of stuff that would be really useful to help me adapt regardless of the conditions that were going to show up and and come at me on the day. So make your plan because your plan maximizes your chance of success. And without it, 
you're hoping for the best and hoping for the best is inadvertently setting yourself up with a brilliant plan to fail. Make a plan. Now, I kind of, I guess, a, a corollary to that, easy for me to say, is that your plan, you know, it's not going to go how you want it to go in the plan. And so you've got to be able to adapt when stuff does inevitably go sideways. So when, you know, in the three actual qualification races out of the five races I did this year, only one of them was actually a proper triathlon at Eastbourne. The second one up at Castle Howard, the bike was cancelled. And the third one in Bala in Wales, which by the way has just got an absolutely brilliant medal. Check that out. If you're not, if you're listening on the podcast, there's a brilliant Welsh dragon medal there, which looks terrific. But the issue that we faced at Bala was that there was fog on the lake. And so you literally, we could not have swum. You couldn't see the marker boys of the direction. And as soon as you got far enough offshore, you wouldn't have been able to see a shoreline. So they gave it time to blow over. But uh, unfortunately, with road closures in place, they only had a certain amount of time to wait. And so they decided to cancel the swim. And that meant it was going to be a duathlon, run, bike, run, not my forte. Now, that could have knocked me for six, but these things happen. And what it actually did was it suddenly took a lot of pressure off of me because I thought, well, I'm definitely not going to improve my qualification standings here. So let's just enjoy this. And that was my adaptation. That was the story I told myself. And weirdly, I went out and I ran the best race I've ever run in. And I did improve my time. So it's about being able to adapt when things come at you sideways. And that might be, you know, we have used that skill in surgery. I've used that skill when unexpected things go on with your, your HR planning, or somebody leaves, or when somebody really good shows up on the radar and you don't have space for them, what do you do then? But life and the complex nature in which we run our veterinary hospitals is such that we will always have to be adapting. So being open to the fact that you will not control everything and being able to, rather like bamboo, bend in the breeze rather than break is an essential skill and mindset that I think all leaders should adopt. Next lesson is that supportive teams make all the difference. Over the course of the last 18 months of this journey, I have built a bit of a team around me to be able to compete. And that team starts and is anchored by my coach, Mike Bortius at ZigZag Triathlon Coaching, who is kind of like the mastermind of the training blocks. And he and I meet weekly and we talk about how training's gone and we make the plan for the next week and we talk about the races and we make sure that there is a reason why I'm doing all of the training I'm doing. I have a physio, Kevin Hall, who I'll be building out my strength and conditioning program to avoid injury in a couple of weeks time ready for next season and who I'll go to if I do have any injuries through the season. I've got an osteo and a massage person, uh, Becky and Jules, that I'll go and see to keep my body you know, supple and as, as free moving as it possibly can be. I've got a swim coach as a physiologist I'm working with to learn more about my body's adaptations to training and where I should be putting my training hours in for maximum effect. There's a supportive partner. There's a supportive family. There's an enormous list of people that are required to put together to be a supportive team. And so it is in leadership as well. Like, you know, if you're going to be successful and maximally successful as a leader, you should have a coach that will help you make plans, organize your thoughts, call you out in your BS, hold you accountable, 
and really encourage you to become the best leader that you can. You should have a counselor, a therapist, if you will, somebody you can talk to about any of the head trash you've got going on up in there that's getting in the way of your success as a leader. And most of us have some head trash like that. You should have people that you go to, who are, you know, your tribe, like those, who are those five, six, seven really close confidants or advisors that you speak to for advice on financials, for advice on HR, for advice on leadership, to just share stories when things are hard. Who are your tribe? And in that tribe, who are your mentors? These people are so essential. Like if you choose the right people, then they'll lift you up. If you choose the wrong people, at best, they'll give you bad advice. At worst, they'll try and sabotage your success because people who are insecure don't like you succeeding because it makes them feel worse about themselves. Now, are people the major pain point in your practice? If so, you're not alone. Over 90% of managers report staff problems to be their number one issue. At the root of this problem are usually three dysfunctions. A poorly articulated vision, toxic culture, or some form of leadership breakdown. If this sounds familiar, then do not despair. Help is at hand. I encourage you to check out Leaders, a veterinary-specific leadership training program where you will learn how to create and execute on a shared vision, how to hire well, and build a powerful, high-performance practice culture without all the drama. The class is accredited, delivered online, and open for applications now. To learn more, Listen to a free training webinar or apply. Visit drdavenickel.com forward slash leaders. Now back to the show. So supportive teams make all the difference. Choose yours carefully, but absolutely have a supportive team. Next one is rest matters. I did not get this. When I first started doing triathlon, I thought there was three disciplines, swim, bike, run. And then after a while, I realized there was four disciplines, swim, bike, run, and transitions between the various sports. And then this season, I realized actually there's about seven different disciplines. So you've got the three sports, swim, bike, run. You've got transitions. You've got nutrition and fueling. You've got equipment. And then you've got rest and recovery, okay? And by the way, the training, the actual training bit, I'm considering under the swim bike run. But it's the rest and recovery that really enables the bits, the, the training bits to have the beneficial effect. Training is just hurting or breaking your body a little bit. Recovery is where the adaptation happens that allows you to cope with an increasing training load that allows you to race and compete better you have to rest. And that means sleep. Like I did not really get that sleep and in particular deep phases of sleep are where your body heals. REM sleep is all about, you know, arranging your mind and, and it's really good for your, your brain. Deep sleep is really good for your body and in veterinary medicine and leadership, we need both kinds of sleep. You gotta get your rest, okay? So that means then the micro, having good sleep hygiene, that probably means less alcohol, less caffeine, less screen time before bed, less things that really overstimulate you before bed. That might be watching like a terrifying show. It might be 
overtraining. Like I find if I train or I do a hard pool session, some of the, the club training sessions are like 8 to 9 p.m. I cannot sleep for hours after that because my body is just too revved up and so is my mind and I suffer the next day. So make sure to get your rest and your sleep hygiene right. Make sure that you take breaks during the day and that you step away from your computer screen. I know that we talk about this for vets quite a lot and it's hard to do, but whether you're a leader as a practice owner or whether you're a team leader, you have to take breaks. Do not be a damn martyr thinking that you just have to be on the shop floor all the time because that's not going to do you good in the long term. So take some breaks, even if it's getting away from your desk for a sandwich for half an hour or going sitting near some trees and just smelling some fresh air outside the building for 10, 15 minutes or having a cup of tea away from your computer and just having a chat to a colleague. Take some breaks. And also vacation. Okay, like two weeks vacation time is not enough. I don't know who made that rule up, particularly for you guys in America. But for me, I need a week every quarter. And if I don't get it, then I'm starting to come unraveled. Okay, so sleep hygiene, breaks, breaks during the workday, enough time between shifts, not thinking about work, and then actual vacation time. Rest matters. You will not perform your best without it. Next one is setting boundaries. It's important, but it's also limiting. And that's sort of the point of boundaries, but you can't have it all. I've noticed this thing about boundary setting recently. It's been all the rage is setting boundaries. But the truth is, when you try to set boundaries in practices, you often, people are perceived as being quite selfish and into themselves. Now, I'm not saying you don't set boundaries, but what I'm saying is that you are creating limiting factors in some ways by setting boundaries. If you know, or if you cannot put in the training time, like for me, one of the boundaries for triathlon was I am still, I'm not going to do this to the point of not seeing my daughter not being able to see my friends, not having a social life. That's not a level of commitment I'm willing to make. And the limits that then then put on me was, okay, well, if you want to compete at a high level, then that pretty much means that doing longer course triathlons, Ironman, half Ironman, that's out. That means that competing in a, a high number of these events is out. That means that putting in the number of sessions that other athletes will be doing in a week probably is out. And that means automatic qualification is going to be hard for me. I'm going to be dependent on a best next place for roll downs. And that's okay because you can accomplish what I'm trying to accomplish by doing that. My goal isn't to get European gold medal in my age group. My goal is to compete as a member of Team GB. And that is because I've set a boundary. I may have physical boundaries that I could not accomplish those things if I took away and committed all the hours that I have available and didn't see my family, I still may not accomplish those things. But the fact is that I have other life goals that matter to me as well. So there is a limit on how high I could progress in this sport. But my primary objective in life is to be the best father that I can be, and also a great leader to my teams. And I have to be present for both of those things to occur. And those are non-negotiables. So what are your non-negotiables? And what are you willing to sacrifice somewhere? Because there will always be, you know, in order to be balanced, some things have to be at a lower level than you might like them to be. So boundaries matter, but just know that there will be limits. And I think that is also something that we must be talking with our teams about. 
somebody wants to set boundaries and work a nine to five job and only do like four days a week, well, there's a limit on how much they're going to earn as an associate doctor doing that. And that's an open and honest conversation that we need to have with our doctors and people need to stop blowing smoke up their asses and making them think that you can have $150,000 a year salary and work three days a week. There's something very unsustainable in that business practice, mostly for the business. I mean, good work if you can get it, but that ain't a business I'd be willing to invest in because that sounds like a very sketchy preposition to me. Okay, last one for this session then is confidence matters hugely and you get confidence by entering the arena and competing. I felt at the start of the season like the goal was a big one and I also felt like nervous, like maybe I didn't belong and and particularly I knew I belonged in competing in triathlon, like I was nowhere near the worst person in the field. So in the first race at Eastbourne, I put that information, the fact that I'd gotten absolutely dismantled in the sprint race prior to that, I put that to good use and I came in 13th. Okay, big step up from the 23rd I'd come in in the race before. And I'd been competitive and I posted a time that was a healthy qualifying time. The race after that, despite the fact that the bike leg was cancelled and that, that meant it took away my strongest event, I came eighth in the field in my age group. Another step forward in progress. At Bala, where the swim was cancelled and it meant there was even more running, which is my weakest event, I improved my percentage ranking compared to everybody else because it was a fast race. And again, I came eighth. So improvement. And then in Brighton, the last race of the season where I had an excellent swim, excellent bike, and my legs just fell apart. End of the season, too much racing, I think. Not enough rest. The race came too soon. But despite falling apart and having an awful run, I came fourth in my age group. Okay. And by the time I got done with that race, what I thought was, I belong. I now feel like I'm a seasoned triathlete. I belong. And that confidence that comes with that, the confidence of all the things I learned from the people I worked with in, in the club, my coaching crew, my team, the other athletes that I spoke with and were kind enough to share knowledge with me as I went through the, the season. Big shout out to you there, Sam. All of those things helped me build that sense that I belong. And that's from a place of confidence. Okay, so those jingly medals that I jangled at the start of last episode and I've still got them all here. Those jingly medals are just, they're tokens of accomplishments and those accomplishments have earned me the place to feel like I belong as a part of this wonderful triathlon community. And I think that's the same with leadership. Like when you set out to do something, you probably won't feel super confident at it. And the way you get confident is by going out there and trying. And almost certainly, like me in that first race, you will fail and you'll fall on your face and you'll think, maybe I don't belong. But you've got to examine the lessons. Then take those lessons and put them to good effect. Learn, improve, adapt, move forward, come back again, and you will be stronger. You can't not be stronger. And as you move forward, as you get better, each time your confidence will grow a little bit until the point where you actually feel like you belong as a leader as well. And that matters because confidence is everything. You know, if we say that trust is the currency that underpins veterinary medicine, confidence is one of the things that enables others to trust you. That confidence 
should be earned. You know, confidence that isn't earned is, uh, you know, it's not warranted is arrogance. Arrogance and, uh, you know, that's something that will get you in trouble, I think. But genuine confidence because you have learned and you've earned your place at the table as a leader, that's just gold dust. So there you go. That's it. The last seven lessons from a seasoned racing and triathlon. I hope those were useful or at least thought-provoking for you. And, and whether I'm accompanying you on your ride home or your ride toward work, I hope that was useful and I'd love to hear what lessons you have learned from analogous things, be they sport or other hobbies that you have. Please hit me up. You know where I am on the socials. And until next time on the Veterinary Leadership Success Show, thank you for listening. Be safe, be well, and be happy. So that wraps up today's episode of the Veterinary Leadership Success Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, it would be most appreciated if you would leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends in veterinary medicine all about us. Until next time, from all of us here, be safe, be well, and be happy. Now, are people the major pain point in your practice? If so, you're not alone. Over 90% of managers report staff problems to be their number one issue. At the root of this problem are usually three dysfunctions. A poorly articulated vision, toxic culture, or some form of leadership breakdown. If this sounds familiar, then do not despair. Help is at hand. I encourage you to check out Leaders, a veterinary-specific leadership training program where you will learn how to create and execute on a shared vision, how to hire well, and build a powerful, high-performance practice culture without all the drama. The class is accredited, delivered online, and open for applications now. To learn more, listen to a free training webinar, or apply, visit drdavenickel.com forward slash leaders. Now back to the show. Thank you.